Greetings from the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, on this December 6th, 2020. Reverend Warren's sermon title today is Preparing the Way. Our special music is performed by our church bell choir. Our first scripture reading is Isaiah 40, 1 through 11. And our second scripture reading is Mark 1, 1 through 8. We pray you are healthy and safe and at peace. We pray for each one of your family members and friends and neighbors this week. We pray that you have a blessed, filled, joyful upcoming week and holiday season. God bless until we meet again next week. Last Sunday, we lit the first candle of our Advent wreath, the candle of hope. Today, we remember the hope that Christ will come again to fulfill all of God's promises to us. The second candle of Advent is the candle of peace. Peace is a word that we hear often. It is, the one, it is one of the things that we hope for. Christ brought peace when he first came to us, and he will bring everlasting peace when he comes again. The prophet Isaiah called Christ the Prince of Peace. When Jesus came, he taught people the importance of being peacemakers. He said that those who make peace shall be called the children of God. Today, we light the candle of peace to remind us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and through him, peace is found. Peace is like a light shining in a dark place. As we look at this candle, we celebrate the peace we find in Jesus Christ. Let us pray together. Thank you, God, for the peace you give. As we wait for Christ to come again, we pray that you will be present with us. Help us today and every day to worship you, to hear your word, and to do your will by sharing your peace with each other. We ask this in the name of the one who was born in Bethlehem. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for scripture by saying the prayer of illumination together. O God of peace and mercy, by the power of your spirit, prepare the way in our hearts for the coming of your word, so that we may find your peace in it as we bring it to life with our lives. Please open our eyes to see the glorious signs of your promise fulfilled. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 
The scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Let us work, listen to the word of God. Comfort, O comfort for my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare a way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries out, and I said, What shall I cry? All people are grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him, his reward with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them to the bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our gospel lesson comes to us from the book of Mark, beginning with the first verse, the first chapter. Let us listen to the word of God. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I have a bit of, a, a bit of music trivia for you. Shortly before Jimi Hendrix broke through with his single Purple Haze, he agreed in 1967 to open up a series of shows for the monkeys, who were then at the absolute commercial peak. Hendricks said they gave us the death spot on the show right before the monkeys were due on. The audience just screamed and yelled for the monkeys. Finally, they agreed to let us go on first, and things were much better. Considering most of the crowd was there to see the monkeys and likely not old enough to appreciate Hendrix, the group exited the tour only after seven shows because they were booed every single night. In 2006, before her massive career debut, Taylor Swift was signed to Sony ATV and opened for Rascal Flats on the last nine dates of their Me and My Gang tour. Then, with the release of her Uh, Two years later, album, Fearless, Swift turned into an overnight superstar. Although Swift had a lot of help in catapulting her stardom, the fact still remains that she got her start opening for Rascal Flatts. In 1972, American tour that captured two of the greatest of their absolute creative peaks, Stevie Wonder opened for the Rolling Stones. At this point, rock audiences weren't very familiar with Wonder's genius, but this tour changed all that. Some shows even ended with an amazing medley of Wonder's uptight, everything's all right, and the Rolling Stones' I Can't Get No Satisfaction. The two songs blended perfectly into one another. Now, these kinds of things don't always happen. I mean, How many here actually remember the openers of the headliner? The openers do have a few purposes. Since the record label selects one of their newer artists to fill the slot, opening acts help artists gain exposure. Opening acts also provide more bang for the buck, giving more entertainment for a long period of time. Some think the reason they do it is to warm up the audience. And it might a little, 
but creating an opener and headliner partnership is about selling the most tickets and creating the most buzz. If you didn't know, the Gospel of Mark was written around 70 CE, right in the midst of war. Radical Jews revolt against the mighty Rome, and Jerusalem is under siege. Within a year of Emperor Nero's death, four claimed to be emperor, only to be assassinated. By now, Vespian, the very general besieging Jerusalem, has been crowned. So, anxiety, uncertainty, turmoil, it's happening all around Christ's disciples. All this when Mark puts pen to paper writing the gospel. And the very first line he shares, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So if this is how the good news turns out, how can it really be good news? With the world in disarray, besieging of Jerusalem, angst and uncertainty all around them, and then right after the first line, Mark doesn't share a thing about the headliner. Instead, Mark goes straight to the opening act, who's clothed in camel's hair and eating locusts, John the Baptist. That's what happens in our Advent lesson today. Just like Stevie Wonder in the Rolling Stones, John the Baptist is about to create a perfect medley with the one who follows. And his task as opener is to help prepare the way. John the Baptist is working on gaining exposure, warming up the audience, and creating that magical buzz. Intention right now are the people waiting for a savior, someone to help deliver them from Rome's oppression. That's what they're looking for. And then... Seventy years later, we also have Mark's audience who has heard about the Savior. Some have followed. Some might be skeptical to follow at this point because they're in the midst of a war, sieging, major turmoil. And now, us, who are worshiping and watching from our homes in the midst of a pandemic full of uncertainty and anxiety, like those before, we are waiting for the beginning of this promised good news. It's like an audience waiting for the headline act. This good news is all a bit underwhelming so far, isn't it? At this point, what else do we have to lose? I mean, things are pretty bad and it doesn't seem like it can get much worse. We, might as well hear what this opener, John the Baptist, has to say. John pulls a punch right in the gut of self-examination, just as we're anticipating God's intervention. Nobody struggling wants to hear that they're first to examine themselves. This sandal-wearing in the middle of the desert, unkempt man tells us to look repentantly and trustingly to God. He even pulls in the prophets of old and tells us to see ourselves in a different light. Now, I would imagine this doesn't make anyone comfortable to recognize how messed up we are. 
especially when we're barely making it these days. He certainly has a knack for creating buzz. I mean, if we're being really honest, it's a far cry from the promised good news, repentance and confession. Those entail facing the truth about ourselves and maybe even changing the direction of our lives. Who really wants to do any of those things? That's what we thought the Messiah was for. So the truth is, this good news sounds a lot like unsettling news. But for John the Baptist, he's clear. There are no shortcuts. One scholar even says, any movement forward will first require a retrospective look back both to our own personal histories and to the salvation history of God's people. And maybe that's why it's really hard for us to face the music. This year, more than others, we see with a new clarity the culture we participate in and love so much literally tears us apart. We live in a country of people who are divided and angry and untrusting, People who lift up the rich, push down the poor, who elevate the educated and cast aside those who lack opportunity, advantage only some, not on merit, but on the color of our skin. Often we choose to ignore that the clothes we wear, the food we eat, the devices we play are literally enslaving people. And then closer to home. Sometimes we've forgotten how much the simple things matter. We hold grudges and are slow to forgive. We often look away, ignore, or fill our heads with other worries, complaints, or, or we even claim ignorance. Maybe we expect somebody else to fix things. In this, the opening act, John the Baptist and the gospel writer Mark tell us that we can't do this any longer. There's no way to move forward without trudging through the very things we don't want to do. This is where God asks us to open instead of closing ourselves. To recognize the stone in our shoe before noticing the pebble of another. To kneel before we stand. And somehow, there is still something compelling and magnetic of this truth. There's a sense of freedom in confession. The book, Run With Horses, Eugene Peterson shares a time when he was trying to fix his lawnmower. He removed the spark plug wire. He said this, I was trying to get the blade off so I can sharpen it. I had my biggest wrench attached to the nut but couldn't budge it. I got a four-foot length of pipe, slipped it over the wrench, handle to give me leverage, and I leaned on it, still unsuccessful. Next, I took a large rock, banged it on the pipe, 
By this time, I was beginning uh, to get emotionally involved with my lawnmower. Right then, my neighbor walked over and said he had a lawnmower like mine once. If he remembered correctly, the threads of the bolts went the other way. So I reversed my exertions, and sure enough, the nut turned easily. I was glad I was, uh, to find out I was wrong. I was saved from the frustration and failure. I, I would never gotten the job done, no matter how hard I tried doing it my way. Sometimes we think we need to push harder and harder in one direction when all we need to do is go another. It's a great metaphor for repentance. To be told we are wrong is sometimes an embarrassment, even a humiliation. We may want to run and hide our heads in shame, but there's also times when finding out we're wrong is sudden and immediate relief. We can lift up our heads in hope. No longer do we have to keep doggedly trying to do something that isn't working. That's what John the Baptist, Mark's gospel, teaches us. To lay open all we are, to admit we might be wrong, to share with God and ourselves our mistakes, to recognize we don't have to have it all figured out, Be willing to change, to not wait for somebody else to do it. Even in the midst of angst and uncertainty and turmoil, we discover opening ourselves to repentance is is truly the best opening act. Prepare the way this Advent and begin with confession and repentance so that along with John the Baptist and our church family, we can look to the coming of the mightier one. We will be kneeling. We will be free, open, ready for anything that comes our way. That's when we'll be ready for this opening act of John the Baptist to get off the stage as quickly as possible so we can get to the main event. And in so doing, we discover that John the Baptist does his job in preparing the way because he leaves us yearning for something better, pointing us to the headlining act, the good news of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you found this material inspiring and would like to support our ministry here at First Love, from the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, please send contributions to First Presbyterian Church, 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. You can also contribute through your financial institution, through bill pay. And if an account number is necessary, please use 870 Our phone number at First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's O-F-F-I-C-E at F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S 
jax.org. You can join our live stream video of Sunday services, which start at 9.55 a.m. on Sunday at www.facebook.com slash firstpresjacks. That's www.facebook.com slash firstpresjacks. We also have a Facebook page called Presbyterians with a Purpose at www.facebook.com slash groups slash 221761382271153 Presbyterians for a Purpose is a group for anyone needing to get in contact with someone else during these challenging times. If you wish to attend our 10 a.m. services on Sunday in person, please come in the north door. A nurse will take your temperature. The nurse will then press a button to open the door to limit touching surfaces. Another volunteer will open the inner door. While moving around, please wear your mask. Once seated, you can remove your mask. We pray you have a safe, joyful, and healthy week. God bless.